0: Oh, I'm really not up for this, hey.
1: All
0: right. <laughs> In what way? Let's talk I'm through just it. Not up. Maybe, this, maybe nah. this can be the intro. No, nah, we, we just need to go. We just need to go. We just need to jump into it. We just need to go. We just need to go. We just need to get into it. We need to get started. We just need to talk about football. We'll talk about football, all right? We'll just talk and talk about football, all right? Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 73, wrapping up round one of a brand new season of the... English First Division, the top flight of British football. We've got a bunch of fantasy Premier League chat because a bunch of you all joined our league. We've got 50 entrants, no less than 50. Jumping on board for the first ever Night Shift Football Fantasy League trophy. Um, We're going to wrap up a bunch of the games. We've got some other chat. We'll jump straight into it. Uh, Tommy's on the other end of the line, as usual. Uh, Mate, how... uh, how moist were you after the first round of uh, football? Oh,
1: drenched. <laughs> Just It was like a torrential downpour in my loins, man. Uh, for the first time, I think, in two years in this house, I live with a Liverpool and a Manchester United fan. For the first time in two years, Leeds were the only team to win on the weekend. And boy, have I been given a fucking massive ones in the house. Oh, They know Leeds are here. You're letting them have it. You have to. You have to in this situation. It doesn't
0: come around that often. It doesn't matter. It's the first week. It doesn't. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. we we'll, uh Should we jump straight into? We might talk about our fantasy comp because we got a we got a a very good uh very good response. We got fifty entrants. I'll just run you through some some team names, Please. if you don't mind. Some of the entrants I'm, here. I'm sure they're um, all inspired and well thought out. Yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Um, from Malaysia, Akasia Reza Adnan joins us. Hello, if you're listening, from Malaysia. Thanks for getting on board. Well done. Uh, for anyone else, the code I384ZT if you want to jump on. It's never too late to join the league. Um, yeah. Just jump on, do it. Scroll through the Facebook page if you want to find the code as well. It'll be in there. Um, yeah, I've got to tell you, there's some brilliant names and there's some uh, some clear and obvious Googles. And we've also got some repeat offenders. I don't know if our, our friend of the show, Joe, is listening, but he has been using murder on Zidane's floor for oh, going on 10 years, I'd say. Uh, does that need to freshen up? It does. It's a disgrace. Joe, come on. A pure it's disgrace. Like,
1: it's, it's your job to think of these things. Why are you not putting more effort into this? I thought you would be the
0: leading contender of names every yeah. season. We had a we had two entrants with uh Control Alt Delete 2. That's inspired. <laughs> two. Um I got a feeling there was some some Google's going on, you know, the uh, Google what's a funny uh, you know, fancy team name. Um you know, we're not trying to we're not trying to disparage our entrants here, but you know, I'll yeah, oh, say a bit th- more inventive. Th- I, th- I think we are. It definitely sounds like we are. I've got I've got to shout out my favorite here, Matt Lewis, uh, McGinn and Tonic. What do you think of that one?
1: Oh, beautiful. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Nope. It's my go-to on a Saturday night. Get I, get in there, man. I do love drinking a good gin and tonic myself. Um, we had a couple of local celebrities join the league too. Uh, our friends over at Heaps About Nothing, Toddy, has joined the league. He's got a team now. I think they're called, where are they? Todd's Flogs. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> No representative of exactly who is picking each week, no doubt. A bunch of flogs. Well done. Uh, We also have uh, another another friend of the show, Lockie, uh, from the Cheap Kicks podcast. If you're into the Aussie rules, the Egg Ball game in Australia, if that's your thing, go have a listen to them. Cheap Kicks podcast. They've entered a team. They're tied last at the moment, uh, but it is we're we're only one game in. We won. It's a marathon. Um, I have one other team name I wanted to share with you. Uh, another friend of the show, a fellow Adelaide United fan, has entered uh, a team name specifically for you. And he also messaged me this team name and said, I'm doing this just for Tom. And it's simply named Better Than Leeds. Oh. <laughs> it's it's low-hanging fruit, but a, a part of me is on board.
1: Oh, Look, I can understand it. I don't agree with it wholeheartedly, and I wonder if he doesn't finish in the top sixteen of this competition. Does that make him a, a liar? Is he a liar? But is and he, he a really liar? gonna? You're really gonna call me out and try and be a liar about it? I just
0: it doesn't sit right. Doesn't sit right. What if we'll Leeds, see. What if Leeds get relegated and uh, <laughs> better, better than Leeds finishes mid-table in the night shift football fantasy league? Well, we'll create some kind of relegation playoff so that they can be
1: determinedly thrown out. I don't agree with this. The bottom, what do we got? 50. The bottom 30 are relegated. We'll go and find 30 more. (laughs) Bottom 30. Bottom 30. (laughs) We'll be in that 30. I doubt it. We've started strong. We've started strong. Although
0: we burnt a couple of points on the bench. We could have been stronger. We did. We did burn a couple of, a couple of points. We, uh, maybe we got the goalkeepers wrong because, uh, Mm -hmm. Brighton ended up creaming United at Old Trafford, which we will get to. Oh, boy, Please. will we get to. <laughs> um, and I think we've just decided to back ourselves in and leave it the way it is this week. Our goalkeeper that's currently in there, has they're playing United, so we're going to back him to do a job.
1: I, I can see clean sheet. Uh, the problem is he won't get like a save bonus because I can't see them troubling him whatsoever throughout the game,
0: but definitely clean sheet, lock it in. Love that. You heard it here first. Brentford keeping a clean sheet this week against United. And probably, how many are they putting away? Three, four? Somewhere in that vicinity, yeah. Five. We don't have any Brentford outfield players, so I don't really care. But as
1: long as they keep it to nil. Fair enough.
0: Uh, shout out to Benny Whalen, uh, West Ham fan. He's uh, got the top score from week one. If you, finish, if, you, if you get the highest score for the week, we'll read you out. And if you're on top of the leaderboard, we'll read you out. Um, the team is called B-dubs. Ben, wow! Well, I guess that, you know, it speaks for itself. Original. Yeah. It Simply. really is.
1: It's, it's like a billionaire buying a franchise club and being like, no, nah, I'm going to change the name of it. I'm going <laughs> to name it after me. It's B-Dubs. And we're going to play in the B-Dubs arena. And yep. I'm going to buy Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen him lighten it up for LA at the moment? I haven't. I can't say I have. He is bred for uh, like high finance markets, low quality league. An absolute gem if you could get him to Australia. I don't care how old he is.
0: Yeah. Oh, fair, fair. Um, yeah, like I say, the code I384ZT, not too late to get involved with that. Do you yeah. want to talk about real football now? Should we just stick to fantasy or not? We could. I
1: mean, fantasy is a reflection of the real football, isn't it? So you, there's an argument it, there. you could it, say it's real. It, it is. It felt real to me. I was definitely cheering on, um, in particular, uh, Salah.
0: Yeah. Well uh, I'd imagine and after sucker as well. <laughs> I'd imagine after the weekend's results, you would have felt like you're in a bit of a fantasy, as did I, because the opening game of the season got underway at Selhurst Park, Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal. Arsenal coming away with a 2-0 win after getting obliterated there last season. Um I think last season they only managed to draw with Palace at the Emirates, maybe two all. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then we're battered away three nil, I think. So um good to get two nil. Get a clean sheet. Did you catch any of this one? I uh, definitely tuned into the highlights.
1: It's for me that it's weird to kick off a Premier League season on a Friday night. It's
0: not what what market is it suited for? Because it's not for us or Asia by any means. It's for people in the country that the game's being played, I'd suggest. Yeah, but do they want Friday they night want? primetime telly?
1: yeah i suppose
0: standalone fixture has it resonated i don't know cuz it,
1: it's a uh, traditional kind of thing isn't it like saturday kickoff sunday finish yeah. the premier league all at the same time but i don't know just kind of they've been doing there?
0: this they've been doing this for years now for a good 5 mm. 6 years and um it's most most of the time it's been arsenal kicking it okay. off i remember the fir- it might have been the first one i think uh 20 16 17 uh, Arsenal played Leicester round one. It was like a four three win or something like that. It was a ridiculous mm-hmm. seven goals. But yeah, Arsenal have had that fixture for a few seasons. Um, I don't know. I know you don't like the egg ball game here, but um, I love a good Friday night footy. So you know, if if you were living in the UK, I'd imagine it'd be a good knock off work on a Friday. Go to the pub for a bit, mm. catch, catch some football.
1: Yeah, I just want to, like, I agree. And I like, I really like Adelaide United on a Friday night as well. I just wonder if it's like a cultural thing. In Australia, we like that kind of stuff. In England, is that well received? I just kind of thought, what market is it trying to appeal to? I'm not entirely sure. But in terms of the game, Arsenal, comprehensive, um, really good start, you would say.
0: Yeah, it was a good start. Um, They're pretty dominant in the first half. Uh, they look like they probably could have put a few more away in that first half and got the game to bed. Doesn't always work that way. Second half was more the sketchy Arsenal that we've known. Uh, Palace, Palace plays some good football. They, they know how to get their foot into a game and get a bit of a stronghold on it. And they did this. Um, and I guess from an Arsenal perspective, pleasing to see that uh, previously they'd go through, because there was a good period for a good half hour, I'd say, where... Palace were dominating the ball in that second half. And Arsenal in the past would have conceded one, if not two goals in that time under that pressure, but they weathered the storm. They got a lucky one on the break to make it 2-0, but job done, kept the clean sheet. And the new signings played well. Mm, Yeah, which is exactly what you want.
1: I mean, a lot of people put their faith in Gabriel Jesus scoring this weekend.
0: He didn't. He played uh, very well, though.
1: Yeah, what do you think?
0: Yeah, he had an excellent game, especially in that first twenty to half an hour. He was creating a lot. His, um, yeah, he's. He, I guess I was ignorant of his ability before signing for Arsenal, but the way he works with this attack, where they're just so dynamic and they all bounce off each other, and um, you know, zipping the ball around like like we used to remember the great Arsene Wenger sides doing. So this team's obviously nowhere near that yet, but it's that. That style that everyone kind of knew, that yeah. new Arsenal for was the the slick passing. We all remember the Wilshire goal, some of those types of things. So, um, yeah, he he looks like a good fit, and he played really well. Just didn't get the goal he deserved. I think the highlight for Arsenal would be uh, Zinchenko played really well. I think the other yep. highlight would be William Saliba, who okay, cool signed for Arsenal when he was nineteen, and spent two seasons out on loan much to the frustration of Arsenal fans who were pretty annoyed screaming out for a centre-back and this kid looked the goods. Uh, he's come in now. He's still only 21 um, and he looked exceptional at the back there. He was so solid. Um, slotted into the centre-back, they pushed Ben White wide, wide into a right-back role. He, he was on Zaha most of the game. Did a good job as well. But Saliba, some crucial slide tackles, perfectly timed, very solid at the back. Good game. That's I, I
1: really like Arsenal's back four. And it's uh, like kind of flexibility that it can go to a back three if you want to have the three big guys central, like uh, Gabriel, Ben White, Saliba. Uh, but yeah, you get that flexibility with Ben White because he has the mobility and the athleticism to run with a winger as well as sit in and play the ball. And, you know, he's, he's handy going forward as well. So there was a lot of scoffing when Arsenal, you know, maybe they did pay overs for him, but this is a guy that has like a huge career ahead of him and you think that kind of investment if it pays out over five to ten years with the guys as you know as versatile as him in the back line you to have a
0: great you can have a great time with ben white yeah people laugh because uh it's just what you do with arsenal lately it's everything they do can be turned into a joke even yeah. when it's not really because that's just the uh, the modern the modern social media world um We'll move on to the Saturday games. The early kickoff. I don't think anyone saw this coming. We had Salah as our captain in fantasy league, like most people did, expecting a big one here. Um, newly promoted Fulham, missing half a grandstand, but they held their own tool draw. The big Serb <laughs> got up for a double. He made Trent look like a, a nobody and made Van Dyke nibble at him like a like I don't know, like a like a like a fish going for the hook. <laughs> I have nothing. I had no analogy there. That'll do. Um, Catch this one. Good game. This is what I did watch. Yeah, this was great.
1: Um, Like you, did not anticipate Fulham doing this whatsoever. Like you just, you look at this kind of fixture and you think, yeah, it's away from home, but Liverpool should be able to flex, get up into a different gear and, uh, you know, run away comfortable winners. Uh, You know, the guys that stood up for Fulham, Mitrovic, um, uh, you know, potentially, uh the midfield trio as well, they they performed really well. And it was just the kind of people that they cast doubts upon coming into the season, would they be able to perform? And they absolutely showed their doubters up.
0: Yeah, they had um Andreas uh Andreas Pereira in there getting around in center midfield um with the Before is it, it Parina, the, as well and Harrison Reed, who I think has been at been at Fulham for a little bit, but um they just I don't know. They just did a bit of a number on them there in the attacking positions, and they were unlucky. They it was it Cabano that hit the post as well in the second half. Uh, it could have it it could have been a worse result for Liverpool. But then in the second half, they fight back and they hit the crossbar with moments to go, and it could have gone the other way. There were some brilliant defensive moments
1: from Fulham, and I think that was the most pleasing part. Is that they've they've they kind of played an expansive style in the Championship because I think teams have figured out that's what you've got to do. If you have the players at your capacity, you have to actually go out and bully, you know, the mid-table and lower-league teams to be able to get up. But then you have to adjust as soon as you get up because you are small fry straight away. And I think we're seeing that more and more now. We saw Brentford still try and play last season their attacking style that they liked, but they were also defensively quite sound and they were able to ground results out like this. And Fulham come up and they were so organised, man. The 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 like the triangles they were forming around. Liverpool passing moves, they were so well drilled and it just—it looked like maybe a game they'd been preparing for since the fixtures come out, so this may be one of those things that doesn't follow on into the coming weeks, but they were ready for this game, they were up for it, and they totally deserved the point.
0: Yeah, absolutely, thoroughly deserved. Um, A few surprises that caught me out during this one, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, Harvey Elliott came on for Liverpool, which is Strange to me because I thought he was viciously murdered at Elland Road once. RIP. Um, oh, as yeah. was Virgil Van Dyke gave away a uh, a thug penalty, a blatant penalty, um, even though he also was viciously murdered in a football game at, at Goodison Park. But um,
1: <laughs> it's remarkable. All jokes These guys aside, are
0: raising him from the dead. <laughs> all jokes aside, penalty or no penalty. I we said penalty at the time. We're definitely. having this conversation already, aren't we? Yeah, I know. I wanted to leave it away
1: because I thought most of the games were okay. Um, there was an incident in the Leeds game that was in a similar vein. Um, you can the nature of not- football,
0: I think, you get it every week. So
1: Yeah, exactly. But this was one of those ones, as soon as I saw it, I thought a pen, and then you see it slow down, and you're like, oh, it's definitely a penalty. I don't understand why they're not over- overturning this. Um, I-, I can't
0: explain it. I- did anyone give any post-match thought as to why it wasn't. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I didn't catch any of the coverage post-game, but um, yeah, I don't know. It looks like there might be contact there. I think Mitrovic is definitely looking at it. I think, you know, if the referee didn't give it, uh, VAR wouldn't have been able to overturn, give the penalty, I don't think. Yeah. So okay. I think it was always going to end up with whatever the referee's decision was. Um, That's I think fair. Yeah. Mitrovic, I guess, It just caught a lot of people by surprise that he was, I didn't know he was that nimble in the box there. I know. And like you alluded to earlier with the turn as
1: well, where he totally sold VVD and Jordan Henderson. There's, this is a hungry man. This is a hungry guy. And did you see um, post game, apparently after a big game in the dressing room, he likes to devour an entire pizza.
0: (laughs) I didn't see that, but I'm all for it.
1: I'm all for it as well. And it just, it made me think, what's your, what's your go-to meal after you've bagged a couple of goals in a weekend?
0: Uh, I usually like to go to the pub for a snitty, I think. <laughs>
1: that's the one. That's yeah. the one. I wonder if you could get a snitty delivered to you in the changing rooms with a, with a, a frosty frosty pine right
0: next door. I don't know. I play at a grade that's so low, I'm finished by like midday. So well, there's look, never people, any worries. <laughs> people were outraged that Mitro was
1: eating an entire pizza. So I think, that given the form that he's in and the ability that he has, this I would continue encouraging this because, like you also said in the in the intro to this, he made uh, Trent Alexander Arnold look like a midfielder, a midfielder. Yeah, almost like a midfielder pretending to be a
0: fullback. It's <laughs> who couldn't pass. He had a bad game, Trent. Um, <laughs> I, I really rate him as an attacking player. I think you know what he does in attack makes up for his. Lack of ability in defense, anyway. I think so over the course of a season, no issues there. I uh, just, you know, the matchup was wrong when that ball came in, and Mitrovic was always going to jump over him. I think no problems there. Um, yeah, good result for Fulham. Moving on. Oh, the last thing was, I guess, um, <laughs> everyone already, uh, it's just the age, the internet age, um, making all the jokes about. Klopp saying the pitch was dry um, and saying, oh, his excuse. It's not any, he's not, he wasn't making an excuse. He's giving reasons. He's asked a question by a journalist. He's answering the question. I don't know what people expect coaches to say in this situation. They get asked questions. They answer the question and then everyone acts like, it's not like Klopp, the game finished and Klopp went into a room of journalists." To quickly tell them that the pitch was dry like it's just absurd like i, don't know, I guess it's i don't know I, maybe i'm just getting old and grumpy and i don't buy into all the same internet humor but i just feel every, every year it's the same recycled shit and, I, and it just kind of bores me that's fair but did you see fulham's follow-up to the incident where they that's tweeted funny. out
1: yeah that was great they tweeted out a photo of the ground being watered uh while everyone was in the stadium so it was quite close to kick, uh, kickoff. That's yeah. that's good humour, man.
0: All right, lovely. We'll move it on. Um, it's time for your boys, I think. You'll be very excited for this one. Uh, we might oh. set a timer so the folks at home don't have to listen to you all night. Um, oh. Leeds, we have so many heroes to go over. Leeds 2, Wolves 1, Wolves scored twice, Leads only scored once. Run us through it.
1: Oh. Well, I-, <laughs> I want to start chronologically. So, I think after five minutes, I messaged you, fuck Leeds. And <laughs> I was pretty, like much, that, yeah. pretty much ready to write the season off. I was like, seriously, if you haven't seen the goal, it's just the most chaotic thing you can imagine from a defensive four even. And there's no midfield cover. It's it's a shocking goal. It's a shocking I goal to concede.
0: There was also a message from you, something along the lines of just what's the fucking point with no, yeah, con- <laughs> no context to it. <laughs> there was at some moments in the first 20 minutes where
1: Leeds were, definitely under the pump and did, did look disjointed and kind of a rabble. And you're like, oh, God, they've had a whole preseason. What the hell are you doing? Uh, but then they you know, somewhat kicked into gear. Uh, look, I'm not going to write this performance down as an absolute banger. Uh, we were bossed out of possession at home. We didn't create as many chances of the opposition. But I think what the main thing was is that we didn't look as exposed and open as we did in the BLC era. And, you know, when you concede in the first six minutes in a game, you think the opposition potentially are going to run over you. In the Bielsa game, potentially we could be 3-0 down by half an hour. You don't know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on the positives for Leeds, and you say, you know, Wolves scored twice. I'm positive Brendan Aronson <laughs> scored that goal. There's How could you rob a debut player of a goal in a situation like that? He would... It was his goal. It was his goal. Did it come
0: off the defender?
1: Yeah, it did but just give it to him, man. He's in the position. He's gonna I tap know, it in anyway.
0: That's not how it works. I know if he'd got the if he'd got the first touch and it deflected off the defender, he'd have the goal. Uh, but he didn't, so it's unlucky. Unlucky for Brendan A. Aronson. Yeah, but we could have used those FPL points. That's we could have. We could have used them. Hey, uh, Rodrigo. Yeah, you're-, you're on board.
1: Of course, I'm on board. I've always believed in this guy. He was Spain's number nine for all oh, the period when we signed him. And then we managed to <laughs> dilute him to out of the squad and to like a false attacking midfielder. But now, you know, potentially Jesse Marsh has come in and sees an actual plan for him. And a, there was that thing when he came in and he gave him a, a more, more responsibility in the dressing room, put him into the leadership group, said this, you know, he's one of the older players. He's like, come on, we want you involved. We want you at Leeds United. And when he scored the goal, the reaction to the goal, I think just speaks volumes. Standing in front of the crowd, pumping the badge, just looking like a crazed maniac. it That meant a lot to him, I think. And hopefully, hopefully we're in for like a 15-goal season from Rodrigo.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I definitely think he's got that talent in him. So I think, uh, you know, 10 to 12 would be good from him this season. But yeah, 15 yeah. would be incredible. I think, I think Leeds would win... Plenty of games if Rodrigo's banging in goals. Um, I want to share another one with the listeners, another message you sent me. I, I, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I'm pretty sure you sent me this. No, um, Jesus.
1: I was in I'll a g- state give, g- the weekend. <laughs> it was very
0: visceral. I'll give you the chance to explain, but I believe it was, Ilan Melier is world-class. He is world-class. Or fucking world-class, something like that. It would probably have been fucking world-class. He is world-class, dude.
1: Did you see the stat? I mean, it probably doesn't speak volumes of the Leeds' defence, but he overtook on the weekend uh, the amount of saves that Courtois made for Chelsea, uh, which he's put him up into like the top 50 all-time goalkeeper saves in the Premier League when he's 21 years old. This is... He is mind-boggling, man. I cannot believe that no one is pounding down our door to sign him.
0: Hmm. It is one of those ones, I dare say... I wonder what the stats are in terms of the amount of shots Leeds have conceded over the past few seasons, though. Mm. Yeah. I mean,
1: contextualize it with Leeds like,
0: I conceded think the
1: second most amount of goals last season. It was like 87 yeah. or something. It was ridiculous.
0: The um, the Bielsa football philosophy probably has a part to play as well. But that doesn't take away from his shot-stopping ability. No, it doesn't. It just means he's get- he's getting more opportunities to stop shots, though. Hmm. Is all I'm well, saying. That's
1: a, well, that's an age old question, isn't it? What's a better goalkeeper? One that could save goals or one that keeps a clean sheet in a side yeah. that doesn't face any shots.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, I know. It's uh you'll never
1: get to the bottom of that one, that's for sure. It would be really cool to see like Allison or Edison come into like a Bournemouth and actually see just how good they are and see how they go. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, quickly on Wolves, what did you think of Wolves? Because you know, they they're a weird team last few seasons oh, they've had. Oh my god. You know, they looked like they were going to go on a run where they pushed for a Champions League spot and then they died in the arse a bit. They probably suffered for having to play Europa League at one point. Um, Yeah, what what did you
1: make of Wolves? Well, my main takeaway from Wolves is they will go down at the absolute slightest touch and they will draw a match out. I just... I think that's football. Yeah, it's probably football, but I think Wolves Wolves do it to a level that is the upper upper echelon of teams that are wasting time throughout a game. I'd love to see what their minutes played actually in a football match is because there were some moments where guys were going down over nothing and really eking out two to three minutes. There, And it's because of that that you say they're a funny side. This is a deliberate tactic. And I think it is to try and limit the amount of time they're exposed to actually playing the game. And that's not <laughs> that's not a great way to go about to try and you know, yeah. finish in a high position in the in in the in the table. But when they are on the pitch, they have flashes of talent and they have really good individual players, but they've never really struck me as a side that's going to pull up trees and yep. challenge for the top six or even the top 10 that often. I mean, I think they just slipped in there last season.
0: Yep, fair. Um, Connor Cody just left as well. That seems strange to me, jumping off. <laughs> Weird jumping move. off Wolves to go to Everton, that's a weird move. I don't think we need to go into it now, but that's a weird no. move. They lost, so they've lost him. Uh, they also had, I know Leeds had a few out on the weekend, but they were missing Adama Traore, Shaquino, Raul Jimenez, and Nelson Semedo, which, mm. you know, that's going to impact many squads, that sort those, that sort of injury list. Oh, definitely.
1: No, definitely. I think there's probably more to come from them. Um, and they will, they will surprise teams and they'll win games, but uh, I don't see how they'll go. Over the course of the season, mid-table, I'd,
0: I'd say, yeah, beautiful. All right, moving on. I watched the Newcastle Forest game. Newly promoted Forest also wanted to have a bit of a look at Newcastle because I didn't watch a heap of them last season, and I've got to say I was impressed. I know that Forest have only just come up, um, but you know, you can only you can only beat who you're playing against, and it wasn't the that Newcastle won so much. It's the manner. Uh they went about it. The way they played, they were excellent in the first half. Unlucky not to score. And then uh second half, it took an absolute belter from Fabian Share to break the deadlock. And then Callum Wilson's got a nice finish too. But this side, I don't know. I I honestly oh, Alan St. Maximum is probably their weakest in attack, I'd say. Oh, interesting. Purely due to his his inconsistency, there's just not a whole lot of end product there. When he's on, unreal, but he just doesn't seem on a lot. He does lots of fancy stuff that ends in a basic pass, you know? Okay. Um, but that midfield three, very good to watch. Bruno Guimaraes has been unreal since he came in uh, yep. in January. And Joel Linton, who's apparently um, Kante these days, and Joseph Willock. So um, good midfield. They've got their back line kind of sorted there Trippier back in, Sharp playing well, Matt Target coming in from Southampton. I can't remember if they had him last season as well. Yeah, potentially. I'd go For with sure. that. And then, you know, they've still got Sven Botman as well as Sven Botman didn't start their new signing. Um, but no, yeah, well, that's they, it. They, they, they that's impressed. it.
1: Dan Byrne kept out, you know, the 35 million pounds Sven Botman and Dan had a fucking blinder. And Newcastle was an interesting team because... When the Saudis come in and they buy them, you're insinuating that there's going to be big money transfers and there's going to be weird Robinho-type signings. But they haven't done that. They've gone out and it looks like they've tactically spent to the manager's discretion. And it, yeah. it's starting to look very much like an Eddie Howe team. And if you have an Eddie Howe team that's backed with a financial capacity to like actually buy £35 million central defenders... Th- these guys could be really dangerous.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think it's also important to note, like the I guess when you think about it, there's not a massive gap between the bottom teams in the Premier League and the top teams in the Championship. And Newcastle were awful last year for periods of time, um, but to look at how quickly they've turned that around. Nottingham Forest coming up were a good team, albeit a very different squad at the moment. They've spent the money, uh, but some of these stats like uh, nine shots to one on target, eight shots to two off target. Um, 62% possession to Newcastle, 11 corners to one, uh, just completely dominant.
1: Yeah. And, you, you know, if that's what they're doing against the newly promoted sides, it makes you wonder what they're going to do against the mid table rabble in the Premier League. And if they can you know, accumulate the points against those bottom 10 sides, then they are obviously going to be a huge threat going forward in this season and going forward in the future. That's the thing. This is only just the beginning for Newcastle. If they can establish like a really sound base with this group of players without having to actually break the bank too heavily, they're only going to be better spent for this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't have anything to add on uh, Forrest because it, to be honest, it's hard to get much of a read on them at all with... Um, with how the game panned out, just you know, a dominant Newcastle performance. So, I think we'll wait and see on Forest. We'll see how they go over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, not lots of new players in. Um, they would they would want to improve, and they'd want to improve quickly. Um, <laughs> quick mention for the another couple of games. Obviously, Chelsea beat Everton the same night with Jorginho penalty. Villa Villa lost away to Bournemouth 2-0. We didn't have that in our notes, but it's just worth mentioning. Spurs, we weren't going to talk about either, but they put four. I think we talked about Spurs quite a bit last week, but they they put four on. Um, Ward Prowse scored an excellent goal for Southampton. There was also a comical own goal that was borderline rigged or shit nomination. Um, but, yeah, Look- that's... I, I, on the own goal, I pissed myself at it initially when it happened.
1: <laughs> and then when I, when I re, because <laughs> it is a comical, uh, comical own goal, it does look like he's tried to not leather it into the net, but at least place it so the keeper can't reach it, even though there's no <laughs> one in the net. <laughs> but the second time I saw it, I was just, I was so sad for him. I was so distressed. Sad. has got all his, his body angles so wrong. He's just trying to pass it back the yeah. other way that
0: it's come. And it's, it's, it's gone directly into the bottom corner. Yeah. Well, allow me to alleviate that sadness from you because the next game we're going to talk about, turn away now if you're a Mank Red. Uh, Manchester United 1, Brighton 2, a Sunday night fixture. Oh, boy. Did you catch this? I did. I even signed back up to Optus just so I could watch this.
1: And that is the best 25 bucks I have spent all year. <laughs> <laughs> just, but, you know, for our mag fans, brighten up.
0: It's only the first game of the season. Uh, I, You know, I put this game on, I, I Chromecast to the TV, and I set up the Chromecast as it was about to kick off, and I pressed had, play or
1: had the, vas- had the Vaseline on the side table.
0: <laughs> and then I just boiled the kettle, so I set that, I pressed play, and then as they were kicking off, I went to go walk up the hallway to go get my drink and I just heard the commentator saying, oh, and there was something along the lines of being in trouble already. <laughs> and I'd go back and um, Brighton have hit the side netting within the opening seconds somehow. <laughs> somehow. This
1: is one of the best drilled sides in the Premier League. If, you know, he's Graham Potter, you know, I gave him my manager of the season, uh, the previous Premier League campaign. It, the job he did on Ten Hag and Man United in this game has been so undermined because of how funny it is to see Man United lose uh, or Trafford on the opening day. But yeah he was brilliant and his team was brilliant. And Brighton are genuine they are a genuine top
0: ten Premier League team. Yeah, I think so too. They um th- they just play good football. We talked about it a fair bit last year. They they're unsuspecting, but they've also actually brought in a Fair chunk of players this season. Well, so they should. They
1: made what they made fifty million on Ben White the previous season. They made sixty million on uh, uh this season, going to Chelsea. Who didn't he play at Chelsea on the weekend as well? That's quick debut. Um, they have made huge money on just you know doing exactly what they're doing. I d- oh, uh, Basuma as well. who went to Spurs, I think, for forty odd mil or something around that vicinity. Yep. They are they are who Leicester wished they could be right now. And it's because they have a manager who buys players that he knows he can fulfill their potential. And I've all the respect to Grand Potter. He won't be at Bryan by the end
0: of the season, is my tip. Oh, that's a big call. Cool. Um, I hope he does see it. I, I want to see how far they can go with this lot. Um, the Guardian pod that we both listened to, I know they made a bit of a mention about Danny Welbeck saying he never really looked dangerous, but, and you know, he caused, he doesn't really look dangerous, but he did cause United you know, lots of problems
1: at the same time. He did. He did. And, um, you know, you and I had the conversation, is it going to be uh more pie up front or Dennis Undav, the new signing ended up being Danny Welbeck and that, almost took me as much surprise as Christian Eriksen starting up front for United but we'll we'll get on to that yeah warbeck did throw himself around and he definitely caused I, this comes back to Graham potter again i think and like warbeck was great don't get me wrong um, he was definitely uh, you know instrumental in the, in in the first goal definitely in the build up but there's been a lot of chat post this about um, the new central defender that signed for united martinez his diminutive size has been picked up only five foot eight. Do you actually think that's a problem for a center back to be that size? Do you think Danny Welbeck had an easier game because he could
0: bully the, the new center back? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, he was, he's pretty mobile in his game. Welbeck, he does. He's not really the bullying type. Um, he does a lot of running gets around a bit. So, Uh, He was kind of targeting both channels too. He was picking up the ball a lot in the space, especially in the first half in the space kind of between Maguire and Dalo. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the other side to Martinez. I don't want to read too much into that. We'll go to United in a second though. I I, I can't wait, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're really teasing this out. (laughs) Pascal Gross is worth a mention for a double Uh, right spot, right time. And, um, I can't remember if it was the first or the second goal, but there was no one within miles of him tracking him at the back post. Yeah, was it the second one? Because I thought that was the
1: one with De Gea really kind of weak, weak hand away. Like, in my mind, I always imagine Eugene Galekevich, his big, strong right hand, always flipped that ball past the post, a shot across goal. But that, to me, it just, it reached him in a way that he should have been able to get it out of the danger zone. But, yeah, full credit to to Gross. Like yeah. And there was a really good stat during the game. Uh, whenever Pascal Gross scores for Brighton against Man United, they 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 don't lose. And <laughs> it's happened again. It was like the fourth game in a row or something. <laughs> first Love that. first time Brighton's won at Old Trafford. Records continue to fall for Manchester United.
0: Yep, brilliant. You also managed to squeeze in there that Eugene Galekovich is better than David De Gea. That's how I heard it. Um That's exactly what I meant. Let's talk about Man United. Let's Man United, let's try and be a bit serious here, though, because uh, you know, from a if you if you were to look at this from a neutral perspective or from a united <laughs> perspective, how can uh, you know Christian Eriksen starting up front? Um, the Fred, I don't know where to start with this. Fred and McTominay are still Again. the centre midfield pairing that we know just does not and cannot work somehow this still has not been addressed. I'd be filthy about that aspect of the team if I was a United fan. Um, They've also, they've clearly got an issue up front because Ronnie isn't fit yet, but it seems like Ten Hag is willing to let him get there. Um, Martial came out with an injury. I feel like he maybe would have started, but it left a, I don't know, Christian, I don't know how you would describe Christian Eriksen these days, but left him with the starting job up front.
1: Not as a striker. That's not how I'd describe him. It broke all of the group chats I'm in. As soon as we saw the team flash up and it said Ericsson up top.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of that.
1: There was every non-Mank Red convulsing in laughter, every Mank Red assholes tightened to the point where nothing was coming out. Because I think <laughs> you kind of know from that point on, oh shit, we're not going to score goals. And we know we can't defend. How the fuck are we going to win this game? And that plays into the Fred McTominay, the McFred <laughs> midfield yeah. partnership. I genuine I genuinely think in in a top in a bottom 10 side, that midfield partnership would get you relegated.
0: Oh, I don't know if I go
1: that far, but It'd it's send you it's down. Bad. If you were if that was Southampton's midfield partnership, that'd get relegated.
0: Oh, I feel like you could probably have one. It's Fred, isn't it? And maybe not. It really depends what sort of game you're playing. Um, Nah, McTominay is not a Premier League footballer. I think he's a Premier League footballer. He's not a top half Premier League footballer. Um, Fred might be with the right partner, um, but he seems to be the one that cops the most hate. But I just think the pairing, the pairing together is just like, it just can't work. I just don't know how it's still a thing. Uh, Yeah, baffled, completely baffled.
1: Do you think um, the rumored signing of Adrian Rabiot will fix it? Uh, No. No, definitely not. No, this is a guy that hasn't
0: been able to secure a consistent starting role at Juve for years. So, uh, or PSG. He's played lots of football, but never been like the number one choice starting midfielder. I don't know He's the guy you want to turn to. Another guy who's probably not who you want to turn to, even though it's been rejected, is <laughs> Bologna rejecting bids from Manchester United for Marco Arnautovic.
1: That's wild! What a wild transfer rumor! That is Anđević?
0: Say Bologna accepted it. Is Arnautovic the answer?
1: Uh, no, I just I I refuse to actually believe this to be true. I just I feel that uh, way as
0: well. I feel like it can't be true.
1: It's beyond. Any kind of realistic transfer movement for Manchester? Why? Why on earth? In a team that is is divided as Manchester United, would you bring that kind of personality into the dressing room? You've just got rid of Pogba. You try. You know. You not to say he is destructive as a Nadevich, but this guy will blow up dressing rooms. Yeah, and you you could see United finishing in the bottom
0: half if they actually sign this guy. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I, um you know i don't like to i mean we love we love sinking the boot into united on here obviously but i also there is a part of me as a a, a neutral part of me that just wants answers to how these things can happen cuz i just remember mm-hmm. obviously when we were growing up united were just incredible We'd, no one needs to know like we everyone knows how good it. they were you know we've lived it um and it just it baffles me that they're in this situation, and uh, I, I just I really enjoy the discussion about how they could possibly be in this situation and not improve it yet. Um, well, if you want if you want a little bit of you know self
1: self deprecation humor, which is what I've found a lot of the Man United friends that I have have fallen into. I woke up to this on Monday morning. Uh, the thing is, we lost four 0 to Brighton last season. In this season, we only lost two one. This is a three goal <laughs> improvement, and that's really something.
0: Yeah. Take it that way, I guess. You have to. That's um, all you
1: have. That's all you can do, man. That's all you can
0: do. Ten Hag apparently uh was not happy with the crowd booing them off at halftime and full time. Um, Ooh. I'm not sure what he was expecting moving there and having this rabble on the field. <laughs> he needs to take some of this self deprecation onto his own self. I think so. I mean you know, I think he's a good manager, and I think, given time, he could probably do a good job with a, a side like United. But I'd, you're not going to get anywhere very quick if you're already upset that fans are booing. I'm not sure what you thought would happen. Um, mm-hmm. Manchester United is just a club that sh- should always be ridiculed if they don't win at home. Thank you. Just so. don't
1: take it don't take it so seriously. Just be like your players on the field. Don't don't worry about it. It's
0: not a big deal. <laughs> We'll move over to the other Manchester side now. Uh, Sorry, the other game on at the same time, Leicester and Brentford had a pretty eventful two-all draw, but we're not going to talk about it because I think we both, everyone was on the United-Brighton game. So unlucky Leicester and Brentford fans, but we'll get to you next week. Uh, Man City, uh, I guess this is really just a Highland chat, isn't it? Because... I can't wait. um, Finally. I think from what I've... I've obviously been watching this guy for quite some time, um, watching Dortmund games. I I feel like I know there's all that hype around Highland, but I'm still listening to a lot of the football discourse this week and a lot of the the media and just what people are saying online. uh, You really can see that lots of people have only seen kind of the highlights of Highland. Um, and haven't actually seen him play properly all that much because not a lot of people tend to watch Bundesliga. If they're watching the Champions League, they're probably not watching Dortmund or Europa League, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, he's coming in little up and people are absolutely losing their minds over this guy and rightfully so. Rightfully so. That's, I cannot express more gratitude to you, Sam, for
1: alerting me to this guy a couple of years ago. You were telling me this is Highland is the next big thing in European football. And fucking hell has he announced himself. Get rid of all of the Community Shield trash. Who cares? And you saw after he missed that sitter, the smile on his face. I think he knew to himself, yeah, don't worry about it. There's yeah. more to come. Yeah, you're only just beginning to see this.
0: Yeah. the um, You know, even in that game, his movement was... Uh, um, I've heard some chats this week as well about how in that Community Shield game... Probably there's a few times where Haaland made the run that he always does, where he looks to get in behind. But Manchester City don't necessarily play that style of football, it's very much a build up process. Um, but you know, if they want Haaland to score, if they're going to have a player like Haaland, they need to learn to play that through ball earlier and risk losing possession a little more often. And that's what they did against West Ham, they played it like twice. They've nipped it in behind, and he's got there. That first one where I I still, when I watch it, I feel like he's never going to get to that ball before the goalkeeper, but he somehow he somehow does. that. His speed is ridiculous.
1: I excitedly showed so many people who don't give a fuck about football a man running over three strides <laughs> and trying to explain to them how incredible that is. He has literally gone from the 18-yard box to almost the six-yard box in three steps. His yep. power and his athleticism is unbelievable. We are seeing. Look, I don't want to go. Look, we wish uh, I'm known to go too ham on this kind of thing, but this guy is infinite levels above Ronaldo. <laughs> like, oh, of, you've done it. <laughs> how have you gotten there? I just no. How have you done of, this? You know, you know how everyone describes Ronaldo as like the athletic beast, like the guy that can jump higher, he can run faster. Yep. He can reach balls that no one else can. Now, Harlan can do that without even really hitting the gym. And you wait till this guy actually puts a bit of muscle on and learns how to really exhibit his strength. This to do he, that, that's that the thing, though. Is he, unreal.
0: he does, he does do that as well. We just haven't mm. seen it yet, but you will see it. He's had so many where any defender that even slightly can match him for pace, or maybe it's the Holland gets in behind, he's kind of almost waiting for the ball and he can hold off defenders as well and just bully them. Um, He's just an absolute weapon. That penalty was, I know it's only a penalty, but it's pinpoint. And then the second one, that's just devastating. There's no way to defend uh, a goal like that second one. Unless unless you're willing to just park the bus and not play football so he can't get in behind, in which case all of City's other weapons open up. Exactly, which is why
1: he is the perfect signing for city, right? Because like you said, uh, it's not Pep style to play one two passes and then bang get in in behind. He wants to play 13. There's like he's got a, a quote in a book or something about how you can only score a goal after playing 13 passes. like it's just something stupid like that. Yeah. But you know to be able to have this kind of guy that can do that and when you've got you know Gundawan, uh, KDB, yeah, your wingers coming in and being able to slide rule passes in to Harland who his positioning is brilliant. His ability to beat the offside trap is going to be just second to none. I think yep. maybe in history, like, you know, good thing Vars here, but I don't think it's going to catch Harland. He just seems to have the, just, you know, the football brain to be able to understand where the line is and how,
0: how to break the ball and chase it in. Yep. Absolute star. Can't wait to see him score uh, a hundred goals this year, maybe. Hundred. Then uh, that's, that's they my do bad. the uh the AFL thing where everyone runs on the field and there's a big <laughs> celebration, and um, and then they will go back off into their seats and the game continues. And after a minor break, maybe we'll get that.
1: Yeah, Man City don't make the finals this season. Damn it!
0: <laughs> Can they make the top eight though? That's the question.
1: <laughs> that's the question. We'll see. Can, we'll see. can
0: half the competition play finals even if they potentially lose more games than they win? That seems like a good method for a competition. It does seem like the true
1: champion can be crowned in that circumstance. <laughs> um, just for City, just for Go City, on. one, more, one more chat. Kyle Walker started in midfield ahead of uh,
0: Calvin Phillips. Is
1: he going to regret this move <laughs> this season?
0: Uh, he didn't, though. He did Started it right back, but... Um,
1: it definitely looked like he was playing in the Calvin Phillips role. Rodri? Well, Rodri was there, but uh, Kyle Walker looked like to be the guy partnering him throughout the game.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't think so, but um, I'll let you have it for your Calvin Phillips grip. Thank you. Go for it. Do you have anything else to add to that, or just you just you're getting the boot into Calvin Phillips?
1: No, no, just going to continually remind everyone that uh, KP would have been better served at Leeds. But, hey, we've got Tyler Adams now, so we don't need you. <laughs> there you we go. Our, you um,
0: know, American gang. I might give it another week before we even bother with West Ham. Uh, that's not a dig. That's just, uh you know, they're playing Man City round one. What are you meant to do? They've got Haaland up front. What are you meant to do? Yeah, um, you did as well as you could. Yeah, they also lost Fabianski through injury pretty early, so uh was it early yeah it was a half hour in so um it was before Ori- the
1: pen wasn't it
0: yeah cuz ariola came on and he's the one that yeah. fouled him um you know and they don't even what's <laughs> they don't even have any have any injuries at the moment city really i mean uh laporte is out but you know come on who cares look at this side um uh, it's <laughs> i'm just looking here on the the stat sheet I've got in front of me, it says who's who's currently uh, injured or suspended. And it says, uh, Eric Laporte, knee injury. And then it says, Benjamin Mendy, police investigation. So <laughs> <laughs> we might just leave that there. We'll put it in the uh, Thomas party collection of uh, yeah. anecdotes,
1: shall we? All
0: right. It's time for some fan service. Um, Love it. We, I do like it when people, get in touch with us. We don't get it often, but if listen, <laughs> listeners don't tell, if you wanna, don't tell them that. I can tell them whatever I like. If you want to <laughs> get in touch, I, I just want to let people know they can. If you want to get in touch with us to talk about something, you want you want something discussed or you want to give us your thoughts on something as well. Feel free. That's what we're here for. Comment on stuff on Facebook. Tweet us. Hit us on Insta. Do whatever you like. Get in touch. We'll we'll give it some airtime. time. So Matt Lewis has got in touch with us. Uh, this is an interesting... Uh, I'll read it out. It's it's kind of long-winded, but it's about agents. Um, this is relating to Kani maker who I've probably butchered the pronunciation. No, well but, done. I think you did. Okay. Good. So this is an Aston Villa player, formerly Aston Villa player. And the question, he says, essentially, you've got an academy graduate whose fringe first team being given minutes off the bench. He's cracked the national under-19s and captained their international title this year. So that's the England under-19s. Carney has a year on his deal left and Villa have put a contract to him. Player management have refused to negotiate a contract that doesn't include a guaranteed starting role, even though there's good money on the table. So Villa have shopped him to Dortmund, AC Milan and Chelsea to sign for Chelsea for 15 to 20 million pounds, having never played a full 90 minutes for Aston Villa still. Just another case of player management selling a big club vision and inflating a player's self-value in his teenage years, knowing whether or not the game time and development follows. The immediate guarantee is more money to the agency in a transfer and contract negotiation rather than just a contract. Uh, and then he references, says, I'd go back to Sunderland, i.e. Josh Marjo. if anyone saw the Sunderland till I died, die, Dockery, this was a pretty big part of it, but Josh Madge's agents misplayed at Sunderland to move him to Bordeaux. Um, And in doing so, uh, the agency won with the immediate percentage of the deal going to the agency, but the player went to a club who didn't need or use him. So the player lost two to three seasons and re-entered England uh, with Fulham and, you know, Hindsight is great to see. He spent two to three years to make little to no progress over where he was two to three years ago. As a young player in a team who backed to him as their number nine, but his career stalled because long-term development was usurped by agencies seeing an immediate cash grab. Mm. What, you, what have you got from this? That's there's like a lot of
1: complexity to this kind of thing. Yeah, there's a lot to this. I've, I we'll just take it from the Villa perspective to begin with. The, uh, like whether or not Aston Villa have, um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name now. The young man's name. Carney um, Chiquameca. We'll call him Carney. Wh- yeah, thank you. <laughs> whether they have Carney's first team intentions in mind, I personally don't see anything wrong with an individual coming to their employer and saying, I will sign a new deal upon these conditions it just from like an industrial relations perspective yeah it's a worker exerting their rights of their terms to their employer but the thing is it gets unethical when the agency kind of starts to dictate terms to suit their financial interest but the agency can only do that kind of thing if the individual allows them into the into the scenario and so surely the it's 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 the academy players that don't need to be a part of these player management agencies, but they feel they do. But they, they really they
0: they don't have to be a part of these agencies whatsoever, right? I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, I guess we're talking lots of money. I guess too much money. I think you know. It, I was thinking about this the other day, and you know, I, you know, what if if I was in this position? Um, I think it's it it'd be important to have an agent or someone someone who was able to read over the terms um and uh, the t- you know all the t's and c's and the fine prints of a contract things like that to make sure everything's legit but then ensuring that you have the ultimate choice I feel like so many players are just they just they don't care hmm. um they're happy to leave it with an agent to make decisions for them, which baffles me. Um, And it puts them in this tricky position where they're used as pawns by agents. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't understand why a player can't just still make a decision for themselves. I'm in the same boat. And I mean, I guess
1: they are, they're very young. And so we're talking about academy players. So these are guys anywhere aged between 15 to 19 years, even 20 years maybe. And you know, the the idea of having an agent, I think, makes sense in this like hyper capitalistic environment that football exists in, which we shouldn't when we're talking about agents, we we you know it's hard to push that kind of thing to one side because agents really you know, I, I kind of think it's lazy when they say they're ruining football because agents are just—they're just trying to profit from the conditions in which global football is set. And it's yeah. like that—that they're, they're, they're more maggots than leeches because they just—they kind of pick away at the the dead skin. They don't actually come in and destroy anything. <laughs> okay, but to to try and say to try and say academy—you know—teenagers need representation. It just—it seems so stupid to me. Like you would get far further employing a lawyer to look over a contract than you would an agent because an agent has a financial interest in the contract being signed in some circumstances. Whereas if you just employ, and this is where I think the clubs need to have more of a say, like maybe Aston Villa need to be offering out a club lawyer to all of these kids to read over contracts that are being sent to them and their families. You know, there's more to say about an Academy product having a good family unit and like a trusted circle of people that can make decisions for them because they are in some circumstances too young to be able to make these kind of life-changing decisions. Yeah. And when you talk about a guy, he wants first team football at Villa. And so if Villa can't offer him first team football, I see no problem with him leaving to go somewhere else. But
0: that's the thing is if he's not guaranteed first team football at Villa, is he, getting first, is he going to get first-team football at Chelsea?
1: Well, no, but I think it's it's the scenario where, you know, they, they talk about the box trick where you, can, you get a box which has a prize in it and someone else has a box, and then you get the opportunity to swap the box if you want. And statistically, you should swap the box because you have a better chance of receiving the prize if you swap the box. And so if you're being told at Villa you're not going to get first-team football, why not move to Chelsea and be told you're not going to get first-team football? Maybe you'll move to Chelsea yeah. and and get first-team football. I see what
0: you're saying. Um, I don't know. I just want more. God, I just really wish players would take more responsibility. Um, in that message there, Matt sent us. I was reminded, like, the Josh Marger thing in the Sunderland doco. Where, it's so sad, dude. And Marger just... But part of me has little sympathy because he doesn't make any of these decisions for himself. He from The whole time he hides, either they are making the decision and they hide behind saying it was the agent or they really aren't making any decisions and it truly is the agent. Either way, the player needs to get a grip and sort exactly. it out. Um, I think what, you know, Lewis is right to be uh, salty about this one because he's a Villa fan and they've lost an academy player who looked, you know, had great potential. Um I just, you know, I think what he's trying to say is we're very like it's very likely a player like this, in two or three seasons' time, ends up at a team, in and around the same mark as Villa, um, and is just has not really progressed in that time, because of not getting first team minutes. Um, I don't
1: know. I mean, yeah, like you said, it comes down to the individual at that point, whether or not they have a clearer vision or they're being informed of a a proper path uh, forward in football. I mean, he'll be lucky to be in a team that's at Villa's level. You could see from this situation, him dropping to the championship or even lower in order to actually properly develop and he'll be a late bloomer and all of that. It's, it's, It's a really tricky situation that almost makes me think the American and Australian draft system might actually be a better way to develop youth players. A draft, do you reckon? A draft in a way that the top clubs can't hoard all of the best talent. Yep. And so the, the lower clubs are actually receiving the better players who they actually need in those positions, and they will play them to develop them. Yeah, fair. It's interesting one, isn't it? I don't have I don't, I don't, have any, I don't have a count of that right now on the spot. Because I'm but- always... As much as you say that I don't like... Egg ball. I really like draft night, and I like the concept of a draft of a draft system. Yeah, mainly because it 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 is it is almost is socialist in a way because it gives the best talent to the worst teams, and I think that would yeah. be if you actually want to develop products, that probably be the way to go forward.
0: Yeah, it's not going to happen in the footballing world where the never dollars king, and uh, you know if you got the most money, you have the best team. Um, it's just how it goes now. That's what we're stuck with. Um, but Yeah, at the end of the day, I'd say I, I, my blame comes with
1: the clubs like Chelsea and Dortmund and stuff that want to buy these young talent and yeah. not have the intention to develop them. That's where the issue lies. It's not with the player or Villa oh, or the player be- agency. I can't believe you've
0: lumped Dortmund in with Chelsea in that re- respect. Well, if Dortmund... They literally started an 18-year-old up front on the weekend because they haven't signed anyone to replace Highland.
1: But you can't say that Dorman made a- aren't a team that go and invest in youth academies in different nations, bring them to their club and then look to sell them at an inflated fee.
0: They do. But to do that, they, do. they need to develop them and then sell them on, which is what they do. They don't tend to have, I think, all I'm saying is it's unfair to put them in the basket with Chelsea who have, been okay, found yeah. guilty in the past of, you know, hoarding these guys and then just how many players did they have on loan at other clubs last season? Like, it's ridiculous. It is
1: ridiculous. But I wonder now the lie that you sold Manchester United about Jaden Sancho. That's, that's you know, Dortmund trying to say he was a good player. I don't know.
0: <laughs> did you ever watch him play for Dortmund? Man was unreal. <laughs> Gone to Manchester and he's... i just poking bears. I know, but... Oh. Make Where were- Fred and McTominay make Emery Chan look like Maradona. <laughs> it makes Jack look like a World Cup winner. Fuck. What a world. What a time to be alive. Um, yeah. Uh, nothing else to add for this week? No. That was a great question by Matt, though. I
1: enjoyed, enjoyed thinking about that mainly because I yeah, did. I, initially yeah. I wanted to fall on the side of, you know,
0: agents of shit, but it's just symptomatic. It's, they are, it's symptomatic. but, yeah. it's symptomatic. They are shit, but they're they're not the only shit people in this business. Um, that's all I got for this week. I think um, Syria gets underway coming up. Bundesliga has just gone underway. We'll probably give those those uh, those leagues a few weeks to get going before we have a bit of a look and have a bit of a chat about them. Um, last little note: uh, We're recording this on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We're not. Obviously, there's no Adelaide edition of the pod this week because they're not playing. But important to note, Modbury are hosting MacArthur, A-League Club MacArthur, Dwight York, down at Jepps Cross on the Wednesday night. If you hear this before then, I reckon get out and have a look. I reckon that'll be a good game. Um, MacArthur probably roll them in. But, you know, that Modbury team has some talent. And
1: they've got some fight, man. They're ready to go. You don't make the round of 16 without being a handy unit. And this is great. This is so good, man. Adelaide yeah, they Kansas, are good. Um, suburban Adelaide grounds. Oh, come on.
0: I've watched them play. I've watched them play a few times this year um, and a fair bit last season. Good side. They're, they're captain in midfield, pretty good. Uh, Fonseca, I think. Um uh, we'll the two, that. The two McKay brothers. Yeah. They, I believe they're on the Adelaide United books, but they... Banging banging in goals for fun lately. They had a 10 1 win um last week or the week before as well when they came back from Perth. So they are absolutely firing. Uh Mullen and Mickey Doyle as well at back, other former Adelaide products. So yeah, um great defensive line. Talent in that Modbury side. They've secured the State League one title already this year. They're heading up to the MPL next season. Um, and we'll see how they go against MacArthur. That'll be it'll be interesting.
1: This would be a great game. And definitely everyone get behind Adelaide uh, Adelaide sides when they're competing against A-League teams. Three out of three South Australian <sighs> teams got through in the previous round. You just got to throw your weight behind them. I don't even care if you support Adelaide City or Adelaide United. Get down to the game next week. Go and watch Modbury tomorrow night. Let's get it.
0: Yeah, love that. All right. We might sign off for this week. Um... Adelaide and I will be Adelaide City next week, of course. So we'll probably, I don't know, we'll do a pot after that maybe to wrap up the Australia Cup games. Uh, I don't know. We'll work it out. Stay tuned. Get around. Have a look. Get on the Fantasy League. Get on the page. Have a look for the code. It's on there somewhere. We might post it again. Whatever. Have a look. I've just said have a look like eight times in the last have 30 seconds.
1: Argue with yeah, me on Twitter. That's, if that's how tired I
0: am. I'm yeah, so you're tired. okay. Night shift. That's what it is. All right. That's what it is, man. Catch you, folks. See you.